Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Galatians chapter 3. And while you're turning there, we're going to do something a little different this morning, all right? The first hour did really good at this, all right? And so we're going to see how well you do at this. We're going to play a little game, okay? Now, I know you didn't come to church to play games, right? You came to study scripture, which we will do, but to get there, we need to play a game. This game is called This or That. Anybody ever played this game before? You may know the game as Would You Rather, okay? I'm going to give you two options, and you tell me which one you would choose, all right? It's very simple. We'll start out really simple this morning, all right? Um, Coke or Pepsi? How many of you say Coke? Anybody? All right. Pepsi? All right. That's about how it was in the first hour. All right. We're going to make it a little bit more difficult here. You ready? Bacon or sausage? All right. Raise your hand if you're bacon. All right. Any sausage people? All right. That's interesting. We learn a lot about our church doing this. This is really why we're doing this. All right. This is where it gets a little bit more challenging. Chocolate frosty or Vanilla Frosty. All right, raise your hand if you're Chocolate Frosty. Okay. Raise your hand if you're Vanilla Frosty. You are all wrong. <laughs> you see, I, listen, listen, sidetrack, a little bit about me, all right? I grew up loving a Frosty, right? Everybody loves a Frosty. And then they introduced the Vanilla Frosty, and I was like, hold up, you're telling me that Frosty's not the name of the flavor? Like, for all of my childhood, I was utterly confused thinking Frosty was the name of the flavor. I did not like chocolate ice cream, and that was their way of getting me to eat Frosties. Anyway, all right, all right, a little bit more difficult. Pumpkin spice before October 1st or after October 1st? How many of you are before October 1st pumpkin spice person? Okay, you're all definitely wrong. Um, and then if you're pumpkin spice after October 1st, raise your hand, you're all still wrong, all right? Pumpkin spice, we just, we don't need it. All right, and then, and then amen, right? Amen. I told you we we're going to get to some truth this morning. Okay. Um, Christmas music playing before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you see, this is how churches are split, all right? Now, Christmas music after Thanksgiving, or after Thanksgiving, anybody? All right. Now, how many of you are Christmas music just year-round? Yeah, okay, yeah, you, you, of course. By the way, I, the, Christmas season is here, whether you like it or not. You understand this, right? I was at the store yesterday, and my children found in the ice cream aisle peppermint bark blue mill ice cream. It's here, people. It's here. Christmas has come, all right? Best ice cream. If you haven't ever had it, go get you some. All right. It's on sale at Aldi, by the way. Okay. Here's, here's the next one. You ready? Blessing or curse? Blessing or curse? Y'all got really quiet. How many of you would say blessing? Okay. I'm not even going to ask if anybody wants a curse, all right? This morning in Galatians chapter 3 we see blessing and we see curse. And the truth of the matter is, we all understand that I think any group of people you were to ask that question, it would be unanimous 
I want blessing. We understand that blessing is indeed good. But the question that I think that we need to ask ourselves is what is the blessing that we long for and how are we going about finding it? What is the blessing that we long for and how do we go about finding it? You see, we live in a world and there are perhaps even some people in this room who desire blessing but yet are walking in a manner where they are receiving curse. So Galatians chapter 3 begins to open our eyes to this reality of blessing and curse. Let's look at it. Now, we're going to read, we're, if, you've, if you're new with us this morning, we're, we're walking through, we're studying the book of Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And, and so we've come now to chapter 3. Last week, if you were here, all right, we, we studied verses 1 through 9, and really the, the whole thrust of the message is that it's faith alone in Christ. This is what Paul's been arguing for from the beginning, that it's not by works that one is justified before God, but is by faith and faith alone that one is justified before God. And, and so Paul uses this argument in chapter 3 in these first few verses. He asks them this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit through works or did you receive the Holy Spirit through faith? And the answer was obvious. They understood, they knew it was clearly when they placed faith in Jesus, when they heard the gospel proclaimed, to them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. They believed in that. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And by the way, church, understand this. The mark of the Christian is the person who has the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, you're justified. If you're justified, you have the Holy Spirit. That's just how it is. This is what scripture teaches us. And so he, he goes on and then he turns to Abraham and he says, how is it that Abraham was justified? Well, he says that he was justified by faith. It was counted to him as righteousness. And so we looked at verses 7 through 9 in that, but I want to go back to verses 7 through 9 as we look at this idea of blessing and curse this morning. So Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, the scripture, the word of the Lord says this, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, how? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree." So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, that's a lot. But this is one of the most powerful and profound scriptures that there is. 
I, I told you last week, if you were here, I told you we are about to enter into what we would call the deep end, right? In, in chapter three and chapter four, there, there are some difficult things for us to wrap our minds around. Paul uses a lot of Old Testament uh, correlations and connections, but it's important for us. It's good for our soul to jump into that deep end. And so that's where we are. And this idea of blessing and curse is seen in these verses. Look at verse eight. He says, in you, in Abraham, in you shall all the nations be what? blessed. We see this word blessed. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are what? Blessed, along with Abraham the man of faith. And then in verse 10, we see this idea of curse. Those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. We have blessing and we have a curse. What is this? How do we wrap ourselves and our minds around this? How do we get the blessing? How do we become a part of the blessing? How do we Stay away from this idea of curse. Well, first, let's understand what the blessing is. We need to look at context clues to understand what he's talking about here. So verse 7, we see a context clue here that the blessing is connected to Abraham. The blessing is connected to Abraham. Notice in verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are what? The sons of Abraham. The sons of Abraham. In other words, how do you become a part of the blessing that is Abraham's? How do you become a part of that? You become a son of Abraham. This is why, this is why the Judaizers show up on the scene. They're so ingrained in this idea that you have to literally become a son of Abraham, meaning this. That's fine that you believe in Jesus for your salvation, Galatians. But you need to become a son of Abraham to really experience the blessing. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get circumcised. This is what all the sons of Abraham do. They get circumcised. This is what you need to do. You need to follow the law. You need to do these things. They're adamant about that. So this blessing is connected to Abraham. But we learned in verse 7, like we learned last week, that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Church, by the way, if you are a person of faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him for your salvation, you are a son of Abraham. You're part of the true Israel, if you will. This is what the scripture says. So this blessing is connected to Abraham. This blessing is also not just for Israel. We see this when he says that who are the sons of Abraham? Those who have faith. Verse 8, he goes on, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. This is a quote from Genesis chapter 12. In other words, Paul, in the wisdom that God gave him, inspired to write, says this, all the way back in Genesis 12, the gospel is already being proclaimed and preached. What is the gospel? It's the good news that there is salvation, that you, a guilty sinner, can be declared not guilty. How? By faith. How do we know this? Because the promise that was given to Abraham, the blessing, that he would be a blessing to all nations. Not just Israel, but all nations. That's you, that's me, that's all people for all time. And then we see in verse 9 that this blessing is received. How is it received? It's received through faith. So then, those who are of faith are blessed. How do you receive the blessing? You receive it through faith in God. 
Now, this idea of blessing is good. And some of you are sitting here in this room this morning and you're like, man, praise the Lord for the blessing that I have. That is the blessing of Abraham. It's the same. We have it. We see it in verse 9. You're blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You get it. You understand it. And then there's some of you who are sitting here thinking, Abraham's a really old man. He's dead. How is this blessing helpful for me in my life right now today? I totally get that. The beauty and the goodness of the blessing comes when we understand the reality of the curse. Let me explain. The beauty of the blessing, the power of the blessing, the goodness of the blessing is found when we understand the reality of the curse. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. What is this idea of curse? What is this idea of blessing? All right, I told you we're jumping into the deep end. Are you ready? So we're going to jump into the deep end. We're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to have this little journey of understanding blessing and cursing from all of history. Genesis chapter 1, we see the creation account. We know that there is nothingness, it's void, it's, it's chaos, it's disorder, it's dark, there's nothing there. And God speaks creation into existence. He creates ex nihilio, which means out of nothing. He speaks something into creation that there was no creation, there was nothing there. And what we see in creation and the way that God created is that God created order. He created things to be orderly, to be good. And it says after each day, after he created something, after he filled the earth, everything that he did, he said it was good. He blessed it and said it was good. We see blessing first in God's creation. It's disorder, it's chaos, and God brings blessing to it. When he creates mankind, when he creates Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and multiply. He blesses them and he gives them dominion to rule over all that God had made. And he he says, in the midst of it, trust me and you will receive and experience this blessing. The blessing is undergirded with this idea that the people are to trust in the one who gives the blessing. You see, when he gives them the garden, he gives them everything, he says, this is yours Enjoy, I'm blessing you. Trust in me and my ways. He says, there's this tree, stay away from it. And so in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve are face to face with this tree. And Satan comes along in the form of a certain, and he begins to tempt them. And one scholar said it this way, and I love it. They said, Adam and Eve chose to fast track, if you will, the blessing through their own way. In other words, they wanted to experience the blessing faster. They wanted to experience it how they wanted it. They wanted it right now. And so they partake in that which God said not to partake in. God says, trust me and I will bless you. And they said, I don't want your blessing. I want blessing my way. And they try to do it their own way. And this is where we see the word curse for the first time in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, in response to what took place, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Verse 16, to the woman, God says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. By the way, let's just get real applicable. Can we do this right now? 
the reason there is strife and brokenness in your marriage relationship goes all the way back to the curse. The curse results in broken relationships. We go on. We see in verse 17, and to Adam, God says this, cursed is the ground because of you thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. In other words, work which God created and designed to be good and pleasing and joyful is now all of a sudden pain and strife and, and difficult and frustrating. You're frustrated with work, you're frustrated with all the things that you have to do and, and the frustration of, of things not being how it's supposed to be, it's because of the curse. And then we come to verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. This is when all of a sudden we see the true ramifications of the curse of trying to experience the blessing in our own way rather than receiving it from God. Until you return to the ground from where you came. In other words, death has now entered into the picture. The result of the curse is death. The road of curse leads to death. So this is what happens in Genesis chapter 3. There's blessing. God creates. Everything is good. Then there's curse when man and women choose their own way of blessing instead of God's. And so Genesis chapter 3 verse 11, or it's chapter 3 through chapter 11 of Genesis, if you go and read that, you will see the ramifications, the result of the curse. Let me summarize it for you this way. All of a sudden, now we see jealousy, anger, and murder. We see vengeance, violence, and corruption. We see drunkenness, sexual disorder, arrogance, and pride. We see women enjoying the gift of childbirth, but the pain and the frustration and the difficulty and the complications and the loss and the suffering that comes with it. We, we see relationships that are broken. We see jealousy. We see men trying to subdue the land, but in great frustration. It's not working. And at one point, it finally gets to the point where it says that the inclination of every man's heart is only evil. This is the result of the curse. Blessing and now curse. But then we come to Genesis chapter 12. Now, I've got it marked in my Bible, so I can get there really quick. Did y'all like that? You see how quick that was? In Genesis chapter 12, we see the word blessing reappear. Notice this. This is what it says. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is where Paul is uh, quoting in Galatians 3 when he says that all the nations will be blessed. He's quoting from this promise right here. So all of a sudden, there's blessing, God creates, everything is good. Then there's curse, man's choosing blessing their own way. And then in chapter 12 of Genesis, God says, may it not be, I'm going to now bring blessing back to man. And he chooses to do it through a man, through one person, Abram. Now, it's interesting that he says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to this new land. 
The question becomes, why is God telling him to go? Why is he telling him to leave his family? Why is he telling him to go to this new place? That seems a little strange. That seems a little odd. But we got to remember this. We see Abram as Abraham, the father of the Israelites, the man of faith, the great man of God that he was. When God called Abram, he was an idolatrous man in an idolatrous family in an idolatrous land. But yet God in his grace, in his mercy, says, I'm going to bring blessing where there is curse, and I'm going to do so by choosing a man to use him to bring blessing to all nations. This is powerful. God is not going to stand and allow the curse to rule. He's going to do something about it. And the way he does it is through choosing this man who comes from an idolatrous country and an idolatrous family. And he says, Abram. Leave it. I am God. I am Yahweh. I'm coming and I will bless you if you will trust in me and believe in me. I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to form a people out of you. And it will be more than you can even count. You see chapter 15? Go look at the stars, he says to Abram. How many stars are up there? And Abram's like, there's too many to count. And God says, exactly. That's what your family is going to be. And the scripture says that Abram believed God. He believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, all of a sudden, because he believed God, God declared him not guilty. Of all his idolatry, he now became a man of faith. And in faith, he received this blessing. So church, get this. What is the blessing? What is this blessing of Abraham? Abraham's blessing is God's answer to the world's problems of Genesis 3 through 11. All the strife, all the jealousy, all the immorality, all the evil, all the wickedness, all the brokenness, everything that is broken and wrong with the world, the answer is found in this blessing that is to come through Abraham. He's going to make all things right. Picture it like this. Have you ever seen the video footage from the tsunamis that hit Japan or Thailand? When you watch those videos and you see the water rushing ashore, it obliterates everything that it's in its path. That is a picture of the curse and its effect on mankind in this world. It just is. But what God is doing in initiating in Genesis chapter 12, which really he initiated in Genesis chapter 3, because what I didn't read is when he, ble- when he gives the curse to the serpent, he says there's going to be enmity between you and your off- uh, man and woman. He says that there's going to come from the woman an offspring who's going to crush you. You're going to bite his heel, but he, you're going, he's going to crush you. It's the beginning, this foretaste, this test, this, this foretelling of this gospel that's to come, this good news of this blessing that's going to happen through the family of Abraham. And so this curse is this picture of this tsunami coming ashore and obliterating everything in its path, but the blessing is watching it in reverse, where it's pulled back out and everything comes back to normal. The difference is in the video, it's just a video, the destruction happened. But in the way God works, he is restoring and making all things new that was affected by this curse. So in verse 
3, this blessing that is going to come through Abraham comes for all families of the earth. And remember, Paul is writing to Galatians who are Gentile Christians. They are not a part of the family of Abraham, but they now are because of faith. And it was foretold all the way back. And so Genesis chapter 12, we see this promise that God's going to bless him. In chapters um, 13 through the, the following chapters and through 22, what we see is that God's promise cannot be undone. God's promise cannot be undone. He is faithful to bring about this blessing that only he can bring. And we see Abraham over and over again beginning to doubt and to, to try things in his own way, if you will, to accomplish the blessing. And God says, no. And no matter what Abram does, God still blesses. Why? Because it's not based on Abram. It's based on God and his faithfulness. But here's what's interesting about this blessing, if you notice this. For 24 years, all Abram has walking around this land is simply a promise. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Abraham's like, oh, really? I don't even have a son. How's this going to happen? And for 24 years, this promise is all that he has to cling to until it finally comes. But notice this. God's way of doing things is very different than our way, isn't it? You see, God is bringing about this blessing, but really what God is doing in the life of Abraham, and he is turning Abraham into a man of faith. If you remember in Galatians chapter 3, how is Paul describing Abraham, verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. How did Abraham become the man of faith? 24 years of walking with promise, trusting that God would fulfill it, and then finally doing it. Church, do you ever come to grips with this reality that maybe what you want when it comes to this idea of blessing, it's already yours, but maybe God is just not pouring it out yet because he's trying to turn you into a man of faith or a woman of faith or a teenager of faith or a boy of faith or a little girl of faith. He wants you to trust in him. Why? Because of what Galatians 3 says, the blessing comes through faith. He needs you to be a people, a person of faith. And this is what he's doing in Abraham. See, God's timing is not our timing because God's forming for himself his people. And his people are a people of faith. And so we come to Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, where we see this idea of curse. For all who rely on the works of the law are, not, are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. This statement in verse 10 comes, I told you we're going the deep end, comes from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. After Abraham has this big family, God gives them the law. And the law is to help them be set apart, to be distinctly different, to reflect and picture God. To, to, God is holy, and so they are to be a holy people. And God gives them the sacrificial system and all the things to allow them to continue on, even in their sinfulness. But in Deuteronomy chapter 27, what we see is just really fascinating. You go read this. There's two mountains, essentially. And he takes six of the tribe leaders and puts them on one mountain, and six of the tribe leaders and puts them on the other mountain. And in verse 27, um, they read out 
all of the curses that come upon somebody if they break the law. And they're all to declare amen after each curse is declared. And then chapter 28, they read out all the blessings that come for walking in obedience. In other words, trust me, God says, and you'll receive blessing. Don't trust me and trust yourself and do it your way, trying to receive your own blessing and you'll receive curse. That's what Deuteronomy 27 and 28 says. But what Paul quotes in Galatians 3 verse 10 is the last curse stated from that mountaintop. And it's this, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law and do them. In other words, you will be cursed if you aren't perfect. Now, this is really interesting, and I I, I did not know this, and I found this in my study this week. Paul tells us that he received the, 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 the punishment of 40 lashes minus one from the synagogue leaders when he was a Christian proclaiming the gospel. When he was going around proclaiming the Messiah, he, he was punished through this lashings, 40 minus one, by the synagogue leaders. According to the synagogue manual outlining the pro- procedure for such lashings, this is what happened. Between each hitting of the whip, one of the curses is written or stated, is, is read aloud. So in other words, five times, every time Paul gets hit in the back, whipped, he hears one of the curse statements. Whip, here's one of the curse statements. Whip, here's one of the curse statements. In other words, he was being under punishment from the law because he was proclaiming the gospel of blessing. Now this is fascinating for us. You see, in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. In other words, what Paul is stating here and quoting um, in Galatians 3, verse 10, is this idea that you have this chain, right? And it's connected on this end, and it's connected on this end, and it's perfect. But if you break one of those links in that chain, you've broken the whole chain. And this is what he's saying For us, when it comes to understanding this idea of curse, you're like, well, I'm not that bad. But if you've broken one law, you've broken them all, and you're under the curse. And so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, he reminds them again that it's by faith. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God, declared not guilty before God by the law. Why? For the righteous shall live by faith. Now this is another quote from the Old Testament from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. In other words, he's saying, listen people, from the Old Testament, I'm not making this faith thing up. From the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says the righteous shall live, how? By faith, not according to the law. Why? Because if you're going to live according to the law, you've got to be perfect in it. And if you're not perfect in it, you're under the curse. And so we come to verse 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, and then he does another quote from Leviticus, the one who does them shall live by them. In other words, if you do the whole law, you will find life in the law. But you can't do the whole law because you are a sinful person. There's no way. In other words, you are on the path of curse, like it or not. Why? Because you are not perfect. There's no way that you 
can do it. And so we see, and try to picture yourself as one of the Israelites during this time, and you're, you're understanding more and more how sinful you are and how broken you are and that there's no hope for you. And all of a sudden you keep hearing this promise that God's going to bless and that he's going to send someone, a Messiah, that's going to come from this family. And then all of a sudden he's going to make all things right. And so we get to Matthew chapter one, verse one, and it's the book of genealogy. And you're like, man, what a great chapter to read. The genealogy genealogy of Jesus. A bunch of names. But Genesis, or Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, notice what it says. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. You ready? The son of Abraham. Jesus shows up on the scene to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham that through your family, all nations will be blessed. All nations will be blessed. See, Jesus shows up on the scene, and you know what Jesus does on the Sabbath day? He heals people. Do you know why the Pharisees lost their mind that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath? It's because they put up all these rules to protect them from breaking the law, saying, well, goodness, if we work on Sabbath, then we're going to be cursed, and well, goodness, what is work? I don't know. Well, maybe if we move a muscle or if we do this or we do that. So we can't do that. So we're going to set up all these boundaries. And, and, and there's just, and so they got mad at Jesus for bringing healing on the Sabbath. Do you, listen, this is powerful. Do you know why Jesus showed up and healed? To reveal who he was first. But secondly, you ready for it? To bring reversal to the curse. Why in the world is the person crippled? Because of curse. Because of brokenness. It's not how things were designed to be. But yet, Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins to restore things to how it's supposed to be. He's bringing blessing. He's bringing blessing. And so the Israelites, they're under curse. But church, just because you're not of Israel doesn't mean that you're not under curse as well because we're all sinners. We're all on this road to curse. So what hope do we have? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, one of the greatest verses that there is in Scripture. Are you ready for it? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. It doesn't get much better than this. Paul introduces this word redeemed. The word redeemed means to purchase, to be set free. In other words, you and I were purchased. We are in chains and bondage to the curse, but yet God paid for us to be set free. He, he pays the cost of what it costs to set us free from the curse. Well, what's the cost to set us free from the curse? Well, the curse has to go upon someone else. Who does it go upon? It goes upon his son. And Paul says, you don't believe me? Listen to what the law says. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. By the way, Jesus was hung on a tree. It's called a cross. See, in the Old Testament, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament in verse 13. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. Now, let me be very clear. In the Old Testament, the cross was not a method of execution during that time. I won't get into the gruesome details of the realities of how execution was taking place during that time when people broke the law. And 
But essentially what would happen is after the person was killed, they would be hung on a tree to remind everyone of the curse of what it means to break the law. It was a reminder that they were under a curse. And so it was specifically written out in the law, if you are hung on a tree, you are cursed. And so all of a sudden, Paul makes this connection and says, Jesus took the curse for us. He redeemed us from this curse and brings blessing to us. How? By taking on the curse for us. So then he goes into verse 14, and this is powerful. He says, so that in Christ Jesus, you ready? The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The reversal of the curse is found in Christ Jesus by faith in him. He became the substitute for you. You see, the power of this is that we receive the Spirit through him. You see, we need justification. We need to be declared righteous, not guilty. We have this in this blessing. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be made alive and in that also receive a new heart to desire and long for the things of God. We have that in the blessing. We need God's protection just as Abraham needed God's protection. We have that in the blessing. We need God's provision just as Abraham needed God's provision. We have that in the blessing. We need God's presence. Oh, and by the way, we don't just have God in the presence of a building of the church. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. This is the blessing. And the scripture says that because he took on the curse and died in our place, he yet rose again the third day, which means that the main result of the curse that you will return to the ground for those who have received this blessing, while you may return to the ground in body, you will be resurrected for all of eternal life. This is the blessing. This is the blessing. Now, they told me I wasn't going to have a countdown, so I had no idea how far I've gotten into this sermon. And if I preached long, I was going to blame it on media. But let me just finish with this. What's the application? The application is this. Everyone wants blessing. The question becomes, what blessing are you pursuing? Meaning this. Eventually, God gave Abraham Isaac to fulfill this promise. After 24 years of wondering, of just having promise, all of a sudden he gets Isaac. But what does God ask of Abraham? He says, take this promise, this blessing that is in your hands, this baby boy, this, this son of yours that has now grown, take him up to the mountain and lay him on the altar and sacrifice him. But God, you promised. Do you trust me? Are you going to walk by faith? Are you going to believe the promise? Are you going to believe the blessing that's yours because I said it? And so what does Abraham do? He takes his son, and when his son says, where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide. 
And he gets to the top, and he lays his son on that pile of wood, and he takes the knife ready to be obedient to God in faith. And the angel stops him. He says, stop, Abraham. You indeed are a man of faith. Now, here's the power of this. What is God doing? God wants to make sure that the blessing isn't Abraham's God, but that God himself is his God. Do you love the blessing more or do you love God more? You see, I think we live in a culture that loves the blessing more. And when you love the blessing more, all of a sudden you turn your eyes from the cross and you turn your eyes from faith in God. You turn your eyes from trusting and walking in obedience to him and you say, how can I get blessing quickest? Just as Adam and Eve did. And you begin to walk down a path that leads to curse every single time. The blessing comes through walking by faith. And when you walk by faith, you walk by the Spirit, as we're going to see in Galatians 5 and 6. And when you walk by the Spirit, the Spirit always leads you to blessing. Now, you may not understand the blessing in the midst of it, but the blessing is to come. Why? Because God is faithful every single time. I told you that Christmas was here, didn't I not? One of my favorite Christmas hymns, carols, is Joy to the World. Have you ever noticed one of the verses in Joy to the World? It says this, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. You know what he's talking about? The curse. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found far as the curse is found. How Jesus Christ became the curse for us to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says this, I call heaven and I call earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live Here's the simple question for you this morning. You say you want blessing. Are you walking in faith, trusting in Jesus, in Jesus alone? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that you do not leave us in a place of curse. But by your grace and by your mercy, you set in motion a plan that has been ordained from the beginning that Jesus Christ would come and be the curse for us so that we, by faith in your grace, might experience the blessing of life that comes from you. And Lord, we know that you are good. So God, we know that the blessing is good. God, I pray that you would forgive us for when we turn to find blessing ourselves and not walking in faith, trusting in your provision of it. God, help us to rest in you and find the blessing in you. Lord, you move in our hearts. You accomplish all that you want to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to respond this morning in song. If you would stand together. Perhaps you need someone to pray with you and just be an encouragement to you. We've got some folks down here that would be happy to do that. 
maybe you've been walking this road and you recognize this morning for the first time that you're on a road of curse and that you want to experience the blessing of eternal life and salvation. Pastor Casey and myself would love to talk to you about that either now or after the service. But you respond as the Lord leads this morning. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.